together. Uh, before I jump into the message, there's a couple of things that I want to, us to do real quick. I want us to spend a couple minutes in prayer together. Uh, and what I want us to, to pray about are two things. One, you just spent a moment or two talking to at least one person or two. Uh, would you just take a moment and pray for that person? You don't even have to really know them. You just pray for them. Um, and then uh, also after you do that, however long that takes you, uh, I also want to invite you just to pray for, I don't know, whatever the world, the things that are happening uh, from uh, all sorts of things, right? There's probably something that's on your mind uh, that's, that's bothering you or something that concerns you. Would you take a minute just to pray about that? Uh, I had uh, one person in particular this morning just ask, hey, would, would we pray for what's going on in Puerto Rico and the people there and the devastation and the things? And, and I think we should take a moment and, and pray for that and, and then whatever's on your heart. So I just wanna give us a, a moment of space so we can just kind of stop and pray. And if prayer's not your thing, then, I don't know, play a game on your phone for a minute, whatever you want to do, just, we're, we're, we're just going to be, and that's okay, if prayer's not your thing, you're here, great, that's fine, that's not a judgment thing, it's just a re- maybe a reality for you. And so, we're going to take a moment and go before the Father, praying and, and asking Him to reveal Himself, to show Himself to us and to others. Uh, so, pray for the person you talk to, and, and then pray for whatever's on your heart right now. Let's, let's pray together. Father God, we pray for the people with whom we have had interaction with this morning. God, we know that you are in us and you're in each, all of us as well. And and it's just, it's a beautiful picture of who you are and of how you're moving and, and doing your will. God, I pray that we would see how our interaction with each other does impact each other and how we need each other to to get through life and, and to draw closer to each other and to you. And Father, we pray for those things that are happening in our communities, in our society, in our world. God, we, we pray that you would be near the brokenhearted, that you would bring healing to the sick, that you would bring your peace uh, to those who are distraught. And Father, help us to be men and women of faith, that we respond as the need presents itself and we are able. Convict us with your spirit. Help us to walk courageously with you. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, um, I'm excited to, to be here today to, to share this with you uh, this morning. Uh, today we begin another adventure that uh, will undoubtedly take uh, a lot of different twists and turns during this year. One of the things that we strive to do here at PCC is to have one broad goal, uh, and we seek to accomplish that in, in what we do here on a Sunday morning. It, it influences that which we say and do and what we talk about and, and all those different things. Uh, as a church, our mission continues to be to help people 
people to discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. And as a church, there are lots of things we could focus on. We could talk about uh, those things that impact our daily life. But our role and our objective is to share Jesus, uh, to share how his love is revealed. It's revealed through the scriptures and how we are to allow his love to impact our heart, our soul, our mind, to allow his love to truly change and transform our lives. And so that's why in everything we do, we strive to, to honor God. In our programming, and our ministries, and our efforts, uh, our vision is to take the life of Jesus as our pattern for living, to receive the gospel message of Jesus as a model for this community. And as such, there's three things we strive to do. We strive to prioritize being together, and that's our community engagement. We hear and respond to the word of God with an emphasis in prayer. We want to grow, and we strive to be a tangible presence of grace in our community and in our world. We want to engage with the world around us. Of all the things we could do as individuals, as families, as a community of believers, we believe that this is to be a place that demonstrates and proclaims the grace and mercy and love and forgiveness of Jesus above all else. A place that consistently shares God's desire to walk in relationship with each and every one of us. A relationship that's made possible through the Holy Spirit and the, the Jesus the Son. It's, it's how we have access to God. And so during this season in the life of the church of PCC, we want to focus on this idea of this being a time to grow. To grow in all areas of our life. To grow as a church. To look at where we are and where we could potentially go. And along the way, there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be things you like. There's going to be things you don't like. Uh, There's going to be uh, times where maybe you feel like I'm stepping on your toes, and I'll be stepping on my toes as well. Uh, Because as a church, we desire for this to be a place where you can move at your own pace, where you can discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ, not on our schedule. It's not like you have to do these things, and then it's all good. No, we want you to be involved with God's plan for your life and, and God's desire for you how he is working in you and through you. And as you go through that process, I want to challenge you to ask some real questions and explore real and at times difficult answers to some of the questions of what is actually happening in your life, specifically in your relationship with God. Now, as I say that, and, and this is the thing that is overriding for me, okay? And so I'm going to you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. Here's the danger of me talking about things like this, because I recognize uh, from the very beginning that the way my brain processes some of this information is not always the most healthy way uh, to do that, uh, and it may not work for you. I try to illustrate it like this. I love math, all right? I like math. Anybody else math here with me? Thank you. It's great to be with you. I don't like English. Anyone else not like English? Okay, just a few of you, all right? How many of you are math and non-English people? None of you, okay. Okay, a couple, thank you. Okay, thank you for being there with me. Okay, so for you, maybe math is not something you like. Maybe math is difficult for you, uh, but for me, math it has this beauty to it. There's a, a logic and a flow. There's this pattern and rhythm and a solution that uh, has an outcome. It resolves, right? You get to the end and you have the answer. And that's why I don't like English, because there's all these rules There's always rules and then exceptions to the rules. I before E except after C or when sounded as A as in neighbor or way or on Saturdays and special holidays, right? That's when you... 
how do you know when to use who or whom? I'm still trying to figure that one out. Or effect or effect. I say them the same way. I can't tell when someone says, you know, which, which word are you supposed to use? And for those of you who I know, if you're like my wife, uh, those of you who or whom are good at English, uh, it makes sense to you, right? And, and that's great, right? But for me, it's frustrating because the rules of English always seem to change. It's why I like sports where there's the, the score or the time. There is an objective way to determine the winner, right? Tennis, football, baseball, uh, racing, skiing. I don't like those sports where there's a judge and it's subjective, figure skating and diving and gymnastics and just kind of most of the X games, right? Because I just don't know how, how, anyway. So, and because of that and the way my brain works, my view of things like that, um, the dangers for me when I get to these topics and ideas and suggestions and even scriptures, uh, I, I tend to share them like it's a math problem, Right? Do this, then do this, and voila, right? You get the result. As if our relationship with God is just some uh, type of cosmic bending machine where we put in the right things and we press the right buttons and out comes our desired result. I know that's not the way it works, okay? Uh, right? At least I've yet to see it work that way. I'm, I'm ready to be wrong if that were the case, but, but I just haven't seen it work that way. And so when... When what I share with you sounds like a math problem with a few variables and an obvious solution, please know that I understand that what may seem painfully obvious to me may not be obvious for you. And at the same time, I'm asking you that when it seems painfully obvious to you and it's not to me, I need that grace back, right? As we work through this and we try to figure that out together. Because what I don't want to do is to make this sound just really easy, right? I also don't want to make it sound like I'm an expert, I simply desire to share what I've learned and what I've experienced along the way and also share some of my struggles that have been challenging to me personally as we walk through this. As I often say, and, and uh, the staff gives me a lot of grief for saying this, and yet it's still very true, I preach to myself and I invite you to listen. We walk through this journey together. And so in this season in the life of the church, we're going to be challenged to grow. It's a time to grow as individuals, as couples, as families, as groups, as a community of believers. It's even those who are trying to figure out what you believe, where you belong. It's time to grow. And while I cannot promise that everything that, that we present and talk about and make available to you will be amazing and fresh and you know, inspiring, we're striving to be real and transparent and open to the struggle and the successes, uh, the peace and the uncertainty, the sorrow and the joy, all of that which is wrapped up in this journey of faith that we are on with God the Father through Christ the Son. And it's a journey where everyone here and anyone who is interested were invited to participate. To that end, I, I just want us to, to go before God and just ask him to guide us, to speak to us to begin working in us and through us. So I invite you, if, if you would, just take a moment and let's, let's pray together. Father God, we want to give you this time. We want to give you these moments. And we invite you to work in us and through us today. I ask that you use these words to communicate your love and desire to walk in a relationship with, with each and every one of us. God, I pray that our hearts would be open, that we would listen to you, and that we would have a desire to hear from you. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see where you are moving and then give us the courage to join you there. Thank you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so this morning as we uh, kind of begin this time to grow adventure, I invite you to grab your Bible and uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. First uh, Peter is uh, one of those uh, epistles. You can open your Bible app. You can go to the PCC app. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it should be a blue Bible somewhere close to you. You could ask someone for one, and it'll be on or around page 857. Uh, Peter, if you're looking for it in the Bible, you know, it's after the Gospels, Acts, um, Hebrews, James, and then you'll find 1 Peter. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to put the text in your hands in, in some form or fashion. Grab your sermon notes in case there's something that strikes you and you decide to write that down. Uh, Peter is an interesting person. Now, there's a lot we know about him that's important to his story, but we're really not going to take the time to get into all of his backstory. But if you don't know it, I really want to encourage you to learn about Peter uh, and what we know in the scriptures, because it's fascinating. Uh, I encourage you to, to check him out. Uh, here in this letter that Peter is writing, he's writing to a group of believers, and he's seeking to encourage them in their faith, while at the same time challenging them to grow. And in chapter one, or excuse me, chapter two, beginning in verse one, we read where he writes these words. He says, therefore, and we take a time out, because anytime we see a therefore, we ask, what's, therefore? what's it there for, right? Well, if you look at chapter one of First Peter, um, he reminds the believers of the hope they have because Jesus is alive. He calls on them to live holy lives, being obedient to the truth, even in the midst of persecution. And because of this, he offers them this challenge. He says, therefore, because you've been born again by the power of God, that's what he's been talking about, because you've been made a new person, because the word of God is eternal, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good." Now, I think we can, if we can get on the same baseline and say, it's important that everyone grows, right? It's important that we grow up. That's part of what we experience in life. We, we grow up. If you're a parent, there are probably times, and maybe as a parent, you're in that time with your child right now that you look at them and just wonder, are you ever going to grow up, Right? Um, some kids grow up fast, other kids don't, but most of us at one time or another just kind of look at our kids and are like, oh, come on now, really? Uh, there's a story that's told of a mother who was driving her four-year-old daughter to preschool, and as a doctor, she often left her stethoscope in the car and sometimes on the seat, and one particular morning, her daughter was playing with the stethoscope, and the mother began to have these daydreams, right? She started thinking, I wonder if my daughter is going to follow in my footsteps. I wonder if she's going to become a doctor as well. That would be so great, so wonderful. That would be perfect for her life. And at that moment, her thoughts were interrupted uh, when she saw and heard her daughter speak into the stethoscope and say, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order, please? <laughs> right? I don't know about you, but I didn't remember spending a lot of time as a child, as a kid, thinking about what I was going to be when I grew up. I just kind of always knew that I was going to play baseball or work on the farm, right? That's what I was going to do. I, serving full-time in a church was not part of my growing up plan. And yet, it doesn't keep us from asking children the question, right? Students, whatever time frame you want to put them in. We ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And sometimes we ask adults that. What are you going to be when you grow up, right? Um, and so I ask you this morning, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
But instead of asking that question from the traditional, you know, physical or occupational type of way, I want to ask that question from a spiritual perspective. Who do you want to be when you grow up? Who do you want to be when you grow up spiritually? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about your spiritual growth and how we need to grow up? In the pastoral circles in which I'm included, the discussion often includes asking the question at some time in the conversation, so how big is your church, right? And while I've never done it, I've always been tempted to respond something along the lines, well, our auditorium's about 4,000 square feet. (laughs) Because that's an accurate answer, right? But it's not really what's being asked. The question is, well, how many people are there? Are you growing? Is your building full? How are you doing? And while that is certainly something to consider, and I I make no bones about it, I would love it if there were more people here because that would increase our opportunity to share Jesus with people, right? Because uh, that's important. It's about telling people about Jesus and more people hearing that. It's not just about filling seats, uh, there, there's a, a personal and a spiritual growth of each individual which, which impacts us. It impacts our growth as a community. It impacts our growth individually. The, the reality is our spiritual growth or the lack thereof, it impacts not only our lives but other people around us as well. And because of his desire for the church to impact those around them in, in a positive way, we see Peter issuing these three challenges to those who express their faith in God through Christ. Three challenges to grow. And in this text, Peter is essentially saying, hey, if you want to grow in your salvation, what does he mean by that? Well, he says, if you want to mature and and seek the fullness of Christ and everything that is offered to you because you are saved, because of what Jesus did, because of salvation, here is the challenge. Three things that I wanna share with you this morning. The first one is this, the challenge to lay it down to lay it down. Verse one says to rid yourself. That's what the NIV says. Other versions say put away or put aside. Uh, I really like the contemporary English version which uses the words stop and quit, right? Hard to you know, misinterpret what that means. In the text, the, the idea here is Peter is using this imagery that they would have understood that, that we don't, which is why I'm telling you that it's this idea of taking off one garment and laying it aside, laying it down, ridding yourself of it so that you can put on another garment. And so what does Peter want the believer to get rid of or to stop or to quit or to lay down? Five things. He says malice. Now, malice, uh, our best understanding in the scripture when malice is used is really wickedness. Uh, In the scriptures, wicked people are defined much differently than we typically think or would define wicked people. Today, we have this image of wicked, and once you get past the Broadway musical images that you see, right, we, we go back to this idea of someone who is mean, someone who is evil, someone who is living in the shadows and is up to no good and, you know, desires to inflict pain upon other people. They are wicked people. But in the scriptures, wicked is just kind of another way of simply saying, if you're wicked, you just, you don't know God. You don't know Jesus. The idea that Peter is extolling is that all believers are to not live like unbelievers live, to instead, as, as Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That The challenge is to answer the question, and it's a challenge for us as well, is my life as a believer, is it any different 
from that of a non-believer? Is there a difference? Other than going to church, is there a notable difference? Is my life being transformed? Am I seeking to live a life that honors God above all else? Am I walking in relationship with God through Christ where I give him my attention and love and worship and honor? Am I living my life that way? We are to rid ourselves of malice, of wickedness, of just living like non-believers live. The second item on Peter's list is that we are to lay down deceit. And this includes more than just you know, not telling a lie. It includes laying down this practice of trying to get one over on someone else for our own personal profit, gain, or advancement. Uh, one commentator uh, said it, that it carries with it this idea that we are to stop pretending, or stop pretending to be who we are, or excuse me, stop pretending to be who or what we are not, and instead show who we really are. It's, it's being genuine, it's, it's being real. It goes so far as to say that deceit actually stands opposite and opposed to love. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Deceit, opposite of love, we need to lay down deceit. We're also called to lay down hypocrisy. Uh, this is playing the actor. It's going through the, the motions of maybe what a believer is supposed to look like or act like, but it's only for appearance. Uh, there's no substance or depth or meaning to that. Uh, Without trying to sound too judgmental, but sometimes you can see that in people's lives where they just want other people to think well of them. Um, They do it for personal profit or gain. Um, Sometimes people do that just to make their spouse or their family or their friends happy. Uh, You see it, and the question really is, is that in you? Is that in me? Are we carrying and wearing hypocrisy or, or are we laying it down? Do we do the things we do as believers to get recognition and applause or to bring God glory? Peter says we're called to lay that down. Then there's envy. Uh, it has been said that envy is the last of the sins to die. Envy is very simply wanting what someone else has and it's really not limited to material possessions or, or just to a person. It, it includes being envious of other people's happiness or looks or intelligence. So don't be envious right now, right? Yeah, it fell flat. Anyway, um, we're not to, to be envious of other people's accomplishments, their opportunities. People is cha- Peter is challenging the people, the believers, to lay down their desire to have what someone else has or to be like someone else and instead to be who God has called them to be. And then there's slander. Slander is a word that uh, we're relatively familiar with. Slander is making a false statement about someone which damages their reputation. It's, it's talking about a person behind their back. It includes gossip and rumors. And, and Peter is challenging believers to lay that down, to, to put that aside, to no longer talk about people in that manner. And the challenge is to lay those things down. It's to take that off, take that garment off, like you would an old piece of clothing and to cast it aside so that you can grow. Hebrews 12.1 encourages us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The reality is when one or all of those things are prevalent in our life, it really hinders our growth. We really cannot grow. So I ask you, in order to grow, what is it that you need to lay down? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. 
Or maybe it's not on Peter's list, but it's on a list, right? Fear, pride, self-reliance, greed, anger, whole list of things, right? It's not for me to tell you what it is. It's for you to ask the question and to seek God and to find out what it is he would have you lay down in order to grow. The second challenge is this, to desire what is good. The first part of verse, of verse two says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Other versions kind of help this uh, be clearer, if you will. It says, desire the pure milk of the word. The word uh, translated crave or long for or desire, all that concept there, is the same concept found in Psalm 42.1, which reads, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants or longs or desires for you, my God. The, the idea is for us to have a desire for God, for his word, for what is good. Peter's challenge for the believers is to long for the presence of God, to have a passion for Jesus and a passion for his word. Now, having those things as a passion in our life sometimes proves difficult, doesn't it? Especially when, like as we talked about last week, there are so many things that are vying for our attention and, and our passions and, and our presence and our energy, right? So what will we allow our hearts to desire or to long for or to crave? The reality is right now is a great time to begin craving and longing for and desiring God and to begin growing. Uh, here at PCC alone, we have new discipleship classes, one that just began today. There are multiple small groups to choose from. There's a, a scriptural reflection group, which begins tomorrow night. A day of prayer coming up this weekend on Saturday the 18th. There's youth group. There's winter retreats for students. There's community events. There's opportunities to serve. And there, there's a lot of things, right? And while none of these are the answer as to what you are to desire, right? We don't want you to desire those events. The reason we offer them is because they give us opportunities to engage and to connect and to desire God and to grow, not only toward him, but toward each other as well. And Peter's challenge is for us to lay down our old life and have a passion to see God revealed through his son Jesus and revealed through the word. The third challenge that Peter issues is that we would move toward Christ. The last part of verse two says, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Uh, the simplicity of this text is this, and, and here's the math problem, you ready? If we lay down what we need to remove, and if we desire that which is good, with the exponent of being the focus on Christ, then what's the result? We move toward him. It's so very simple, right? And yet it's anything but simple. Because laying down things and desiring what is good and focusing on Christ really is the road that is less traveled. It's the narrow road, and yet it is the path and the way and the road that leads to growing in our salvation, to grow and mature as we discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ and all that he offers to us through his salvation, which he has already made available to us. Because here is what I would suggest holds all of this together. Verse three, it says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, for most of you, within the next hour and a half, you're probably going to have lunch or have at least something to eat, right? Stomach's gonna start growling here in just a second. That's the power of suggestion. I want you to think about for just a moment, what is something 
that you really enjoy eating? Or maybe what's your favorite food? What is that thing that, that you enjoy it every time you have it? You got it? Got that in your mind? I don't know if you've ever thought about tasting the goodness of God. But Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the goodness of the Lord is like a Chick-fil-A sandwich with no pickle. <laughs> right? Taste and see. What? One commentator said it like this, that, that Peter is challenging the believer to remember how delicious the goodness of God really is. Can you taste and see that the Lord is good? And I wonder, in my life, and maybe in your life as well, that one of the reasons we're not willing to lay things down, and we're not willing to desire what is good and to move toward Christ is because we've truly not tasted the goodness of God. Or maybe we've forgotten what that tastes like. Have we truly surrendered our lives to Christ? Have we discovered and experienced his life-changing love? Not programs that change anything or, or even individuals, but, but him. Have we accepted Jesus as our Lord and our Savior? Have we truly tasted that he is good? Or have we just viewed at a distance that he is good or, or simply allowed other people to share that he is good and, and what that is like? Have we experience that relationship with him for ourselves. You see, this is a time to grow. To grow in the fullness of Christ that is offered through his salvation. The salvation that, that Jesus offers to us through his love. When Jesus went to the cross, he did so willingly to demonstrate his great love for us so that we could experience all that is included in salvation, not just forgiven of our sins, but walking and living in that life that he offers to us so that we can grow up in him and our lives can truly be changed and we can be different and we can grow in him. And that's what we get to offer each and every week. We, we want you to discover and experience him. We, we want that to be the reason you come here so that, that every time that you're here, you're encouraged to take that next step to grow in your faith, to grow in your relationship with the Lord, to engage with him, to grow. And so as we sing this song of response this morning, there's gonna be members of the prayer team and leadership team over by the cross ready to receive you. And if you desire to accept Jesus as your savior and your Lord, if you want to recommit your life to him, if you want to be obedient in baptism, if you want to join PCC, if you want someone just to, to talk to, someone to pray with you, someone to encourage you, then we invite you to make your way over to the cross where those things are available to you, not through our power, but through his, not by what we can truly do, but by what he has already done. He invites you to receive that. So this morning, let's worship him. And as we sing this song of response, let's truly respond. And no, you don't have to go to the cross to make a response. But would you surrender your heart? Would you ask some tough questions of yourself? And would you allow God to speak to you, in you and through you? Would today be the day that you begin to grow? As you're willing and able, I invite you to stand with me. Let's sing this song of response. Let's worship the Lord together this morning.